Dental Broker Florida, DBF, is a local brokerage company with a footprint in the counties of Monroe, Miami-Dade, Broward, and West Palm Beach. For the last 10 years, they have been helping the dental community in the endeavor of selling their practice or buying a new one. DBF starts by doing an assessment of the dental practice for sale and suggesting to the seller a fair market price, while from the buyer's point of view, they strive to understand their needs, whether they are a first-time buyer or an existing buyer looking to expand. Visit DentalBrokerFlorida.com for more detail. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ain't That the Tooth, a podcast by the South Florida District Dental Association, where we take you into the lives of our members and their perspective on all kinds of topics in and out of dentistry. I'm your host, Yolanda Marrero, and today's topic covers the history of the South Florida District Dental Association. I'm really excited that we've hit the pinnacle of 100 years with our organization. We felt that it would be good to talk a little bit more about what has brought us to where we are today and how it all began. So this is a special moment for us. We were founded in October of 1922, and it was 35 charter members. Back in that day, they were all white males, but basically that was the profession It was not something that was diverse, and very few women were studying. In fact, I can recall that there might have been one woman eventually as a member in the following decade. But they were founded on the same principles that we work today, which was setting up their ideals for their patient care, for how they would run a practice how they would approach the Board of Dentistry and politicians on how we do things correctly and take care of a patient the way they should be taken care of. When they were founded, the annual dues were anywhere between 10 and $11, and it was still divided up by the tripartite. $4 was to the Florida Dental Association, and $3 to the American Dental, and $2 was the local component. And to that, they added a dollar, which was collected so that they could create a relief fund for dentists in need. And it helped a lot of them. In fact, we ended up having a relief fund. I I can recall that even during Hurricane Andrew in the early 1990s, there were funds that were available to dentists who had suffered losses during that. So it was important at that time, just as it is now, to help each other out the way we always have. On October 11th in 1924, the minutes were taken by hand, and I can attest to the fact that they were written beautifully. The penmanship was amazing, and we still have minutes to this day from that time in our office. But One of the big deal things that was going on at that time was that there was a motion passed so that 
they can send delegates to the House of Delegates to object to the sum of a $3 license fee. Can you imagine $3 today? I think it's, what, over a 1,000% more these days. Here's something interesting that I, I find that we have banked with the First National Bank of South Miami almost since the inception of the organization. And at that time, we had $111.60 in cash. And this is the second quarter of 1928. And there was $209 in, on deposit in a bank in Fort Lauderdale. I thought that was interesting because when I mentioned Fort Lauderdale, a lot of you know that our organization deals uh, with two counties, three counties, basically, South Broward County, Miami-Dade County, and Monroe. But when we were founded, we basically had the entire Broward County District. And I find that just unbelievable today because when you look at traveling from one end to the other, that was a lot of uh, of difference in distance. Nowadays, with the uh, roads and highways, of course, we cover from uh, South Broward to Monroe easily. And we don't really go to Monroe County because there's not that many dentist members in that area that actually live there and practice there, or not that many dental offices. But uh, it's interesting. We are geographically the smallest component but we are considered large in the fact that we have uh, a large number of members and a large concentration of dentists in this area. But anyway, let's get back to the history. During the Great Depression, our financial reports show that we had $561 cash on hand. And at that time, our membership had doubled to 72 paid dentists. By 1934, a treasurer's reports listed paying $14 for 56 dinners at 25 cents per person. When I think about what we pay now for dinners at affiliate meetings, this is unbelievable. From 25 cents a person to what is now about $60 a person for our dinners. It's, it's just crazy. Here's an interesting fact about how sometimes an annual general meeting can go awry. During 1933, the East Coast District Dental Society was holding their general session at the Huntington Building in downtown Miami, which was pretty near Biscayne Park. And during that time, the president-elect, President Franklin Roosevelt, was at the park and there was an assassination attempt made upon him. Interestingly, that ended the meeting abruptly, and the East Coast District Dental Society could not elect their officers in 1933. They had to actually call another general meeting in order to do that. So I find that amusing because we do continue to have issues like that at some of our general meetings where we either don't have a quorum or... Uh, things happen and we've had to postpone, for instance, in our case, twice due to a pandemic. Tragically, at that assassination attempt, the mayor of Chicago, Carmack, was actually killed by the bullet that was intended for President Roosevelt. Let's talk a little bit about the pioneer families that organized the group. One of them is Dr. Glenn Skaggs, and the other is Dr. Benjamin Wilkerson. 
Now, at the writing of some of the information that we've presented in our newsletter, back in 1997, these people were alive, but I'm sure by now they've they've passed and, and may they rest in peace. These were the charter members of the organization. Another one, which is fairly well known, is Dr. Lindsey Pankey, and he was an active orthodontist in South Miami for years. Dr. L.D. Pankey, his son, also continued as a practitioner in Miami and a member of the East Coast District Dental Society in 1926. We all know Pankey now because of the Pankey Institute and the continuing education that many, many of our doctors have received there. By 1936, there were about 125 East Coast members, which was a tremendous growth, 280% growth in 14 years. And at that time, 85% of the market share. Nowadays, the market share is a, a target that's always moving because so many people love being in South Florida, and a lot of dentists move to our district. So and at any given moment, the market share is constantly changing because of the amount of dentists that come to live here and practice here. But back in the day, 85% of the market share was excellent. There were 146 dentists in the district and 125 in good standing, uh, which meant that they were members. Here's a cute story. At that time, and probably still today, dentists are known for being golfing enthusiasts. And in 1937, Dr. Arthur Kellner, who was mayor of Hollywood at the time, invited the East Coast District members to a barbecue and an all-day golf match at the Hollywood Country Club. Well, guess what? They all showed up. And that was just crazy. I probably wasn't expecting that. But it took the country club by surprise to have almost 100 doctors show up to play golf and enjoy a barbecue. The following year, they did all get together at the Hollywood Beach Hotel and actually took a picture of the entire group, which I'm sure you've seen in our newsletter. Uh, we've published it several times. And in that picture, you'll find that Dr. Ruth Tishner who was the first woman dentist member of the East Coast District Dental Society, is pictured at the far right. Uh, she was a graduate of the University of Louisville in 1923, and she joined the organization in 1924. She was a general practitioner in downtown Miami. During the 1940s, a banquet was held in Coral Gables to mark the 100th anniversary of organized dentistry. And apparently it was a rowdy night because the entertainer came with some stories and imitations of maybe colorful anecdotes, probably a racy time for the 1940s. But during that time, of course, things were changing in the country. There was a war going on, World War II, and the dental population all but disappeared during the draft. So it created a very, very critical shortage of dentists to serve a civilian population. Procurement boards were set up during the national emergency to assign practitioners to areas of need, and the East Coast District adopted the policy that those dentists who were licensed in Florida and after the declaration of war who would not accept the critical need area assignment would be dropped from membership. So if you were a dentist at that time and you were not going off to war, and you refused to 
serve where you were needed, you would lose your membership, basically. I guess that the honor of serving where you needed to be served was more important. Eventually, after the war, those who served their country did resume their interrupted practices. Other dentists from cold climates found that moving to Florida was the appropriate thing to do, and they came in to our district. The district dues were now $50, still a bargain compared to today's rates. By 1958, the council had decided it was time for a public presence in the community. So there was a lease signed with the Dade County Medical Association for two small rooms in a brickle office. A full-time executive secretary was hired, and the society struggled to administer programs and services in a diverse geography, which was now growing from Key West to South Vero Beach. So you can imagine, like I mentioned before, going to meetings were a long ride for many of the leadership and was cause for a lot of heated discussion. So during 1966, the outgoing president, Dr. Andrew Henry, remarked that he was tempted many times to quote a fellow being tarred and feathered and ridden out of the town on a rail. He always said, if it wasn't for the honor, I'd just as soon walk. Even to this day, with a smaller geographic location, we still deal with leadership issues. It's not easy to be a president and to serve on a board, always keeping in mind that we serve the organization, what is right for everyone, and what is right for the association to keep moving forward and to keep engaging new leadership. I imagine that if there was problems in 1966, that we've done our job and we're still standing, and we hope to continue to stand. By 1966, the East Coast District Dental Society was redistricted, and this created the Atlantic Coast District, which would now take North Broward County up to the Palm Beaches. East Coast was centralized to include the greater Hollywood area in Broward County, all of Dade County, south through the Florida Keys. More than 40 years later, the geography is still the same. However, we did go through more changes, more changes to our society that were now being reflected on the organization. During the 1960s and 70s, thousands of Cuban refugees arrived in South Florida seeking asylum from the tyranny of Fidel Castro. Among them were several hundred dentists, and a few were allowed to treat fellow refugees in a clinic in the Freedom Tower in downtown Miami. Others were tutored by volunteers from the East Coast District Dental Society to pass the national board and entered U.S. dental schools. Many were forced to relocate to colder climates. This calls to mind our own Dr. Cesar Savatis, whose father relocated to Kansas City, Missouri, and attended school there, as well as Dr. Savatis. So you can really see that the migration of Cuba to the United States spread out through the entire country. And today, many of these doctors did become members of the American Dental Association and have served in leadership. One of the interesting things about our society was that during the 1970s, the Miami Winter Meeting was born. Back in the day, it was called the Miami Midwinter Meeting. It was the June and January meeting. 
And it was the hot meeting of the state. People came from all over the country. The program offered amazing continuing education set amongst the beaches of South Florida. Yes, South Florida was a great place to have meetings, so much so that many other organizations started to bring their own meetings down here. This, of course, created tough competition. Our doctors wanted to be at every meeting, but you can't be at every meeting. The Miami Winter Meeting would then become a more localized meeting. It was during that time in in the 70s also that the society decided that they would become property owners, and they purchased the condo offices that are still located in Coral Gables and from which our staff still works. During the 80s and 90s, the headquarters did double in size to 2,500 square feet of executive offices, evaluated on the tax rolls at $200,000. The space is owned mortgage-free to this day, and during the 70s, a full-time staff of seven administrators to the society were there. Today, the staff is condensed to three members, but when you consider the advent of technology and where we are today, a smaller staff can do the work of seven. During the 80s and 90s, we also learned to speak several languages within the organization. Because of new avenues that were opened for licensing to dental graduates from other countries, many of them were now located in our district, practicing, and joining leadership. For the past 20 years, our leadership has included members from all over the world, from South America, the Caribbean islands, Canada, Europe, Asia. It is amazing how much we've grown culturally here and how diverse our community became. In 1995, the first Cuban exile dentist, Dr. Ramon Sanchez, was elected president at the East Coast District Dental Society. Another first was Dr. Georgina Garcia, who is a general dentist in Miami Beach. She became the first woman president in 1998. Since then, we've had more women presidents who have followed in her footsteps, including Dr. Anita Pandey, Dr. Irene Marone Tarazi, Dr. Beatrice Terry, Dr. Jeanette Hall, Dr. Elaine DeRude, and Dr. Mariana Velasquez up to date. It was during that time that we also changed the name of East Coast District Dental Society to reflect more of our geography. We became the South Florida District Dental Association. It made much more sense considering the way we had become redistricted and had lost half of the Broward Territory. Many things have affected how the society has grown, including natural disasters like Hurricane Andrew. During Hurricane Andrew, quite a few dentists lost their practices due to the high winds and the severity of the storm. And during that time, there was help for the dentists. They were able to practice with other doctors in their office. They were able to see patients eventually, and there were some instances where there were relief funds available to them. As we began the new century, one thing that really stood out was the attack on the World Trade Center, more commonly known as the Twin Towers. I recall that because I had just started working for the SFDDA, and we were mortified watching this play out on a grainy television set that we had in the office. 
one by one, we arrived thinking what was going on. I had left my home knowing that one tower had fallen. By the time I was here, the second tower had fallen. And we were all just gathered around this television set looking at what was going on. The world stopped. It stopped for everyone. The changes that came about from that were unreal. And to this day, we still practice many of them. It was quite a change to our society. One of the things that came about was the identification of bodies at the uh, the site of the towers. And during that time, the Office of Emergency Preparedness of the United States Public Health Service, their DMORT unit, which is Disaster Mortuary Operational Response Team, was activated. Among the people that went with that team was Dr. William Silver. We know him as Dr. Bill Silver. He taught the forensics course for our organization for many years, and these courses were designed for any dentist who was interested in volunteering their services just in case another disaster like this would happen, or even natural disasters such as hurricanes and tornadoes. He was training people to be able to help bring closure to loved ones, and for that we thank Dr. Silver. But moving now into further along into the 21st century, so many things have changed. We've seen a wave of technology. And I can still remember when email was thought of, you know, we thought we're going to use email. But there was that, that, that fear that it wasn't going to be done right, that we weren't going to reach everybody. And um, should we be sending sensitive information out on emails? How do, you know, should we be calling meetings on email? But eventually we did move to email. And from email, we moved to texting. And from texting, we moved on to now Zoom meetings thanks to the pandemic. We've become very, very used to using technology. And the more we use it and get used to it, the more it works for an organization such as ours. It really helps to make leadership easier. It helps people stay connected, and it helps people who want to serve put in the time because they don't have to spend 30, 40 minutes driving to a meeting. They can call us using their phones, their cell phones, logging in with iPads or logging in on their personal computers at home. They get to spend more time with their family and yet serve organized dentistry like anybody else did in the past. This also really opens the door to even more diversity. Like I said before, we've come a long way from a 35 white all-male membership to over 1,500 members that come from all over the world. And our membership, our leadership, does reflect our society, that the one we live in. It reflects the diversity of the community. It, it shows that our members are able to treat the community at large. Included in that diversity are practice models, group practices, private offices, associateships, partnerships. We're seeing it all now. It's changed from the original thought that you would hang a shingle and you'd be a single practitioner in an office. Nowadays, we see two and three dentists working together as partners, associates, 
we see corporations building practices where dentists are employees. And this shows how diverse the organization has become in accepting all the different practice modalities. The thoughts have changed, and we are there with them. I believe that the South Florida District Dental Association is poised to face the future with optimism. The challenges are many. The stakes are high. But the future of dentistry and how it is practiced is in the hands of thoughtful, visionary people, people who are willing to give their time and talent to preserve and improve what those 35 colleagues began in 1922. It does look different now. We're not handwriting our minutes. We're not traveling two hours to meet monthly. Today, we type the minutes. We go to meetings via Zoom. We go to affiliate society meetings, not only for the continuing education, but for the social aspect of it. Please join us in celebrating 100 years. It's been a heck of a ride, but we've got a long way to go. And I'm looking forward to being there with you to see it through. So today, thank you for listening. And remember to leave your comments and questions at www.sfdda.org. You might be the lucky listener to get one of our Ain't That the Tooth mugs. Ain't That the Tooth is produced by the South Florida District Dental Association and directed and edited by Victoria Marrero. Our theme music was written and performed by our own Dr. Richard Muffson. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Bank of America Practice Solutions, CareStream Dental, Hyosin, Florida Dental Association, Florida Dental Association Services, and Dental Broker of Florida for making this production possible.